0: hello and welcome once again to the velodrome podcast i'm steve some of you know me as the velo21 guy but today i'm your host on the velodrome podcast so i'd like to welcome you once again to another fantastic episode thanks for listening guys we really do appreciate every one of you that listens and if you could take the time to hit that follow button that really would be appreciated so you never miss an episode of the velodrome podcast if you're listening to this and you think I'd have a chat with Steve about my cycling, just get in touch. Just send me a message on Instagram. DM is usually the best way. Get in touch if you're passionate about your cycling. We'd love to have you on the podcast. So, as I say, we once again we have another fantastic guest today. We are talking to it's Alice Lethbridge, aka Alice TT12. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. Hi. Thanks, thanks for, coming for having on. me on. <laughs> yeah, no problems. Thanks for coming on. We always appreciate all the guests coming on because without the guests, we don't we don't have a show basically. So yeah, thanks for coming on. And we always talk about how you came onto the podcast. We recently had Elves Bikes UK on, and we'd arranged that one a long time ago actually. And they mentioned and put a few people forward. Um, And we're starting to get those people on now. So that's the reason why you're here on the Velodrome podcast. And obviously, you're a very keen cyclist. So how did you first get into your cycling?
1: Um, Well, I was a runner originally, um, and runners get injured lots. (laughs) Um, So I was um, in the gym quite a bit, and I started doing some spin classes, and actually the instructor persuaded me to get a a road bike and do a couple of Aldax events um, that he was doing Um, but I didn't really properly get into the cycling then because I was still trying to get back running Um, and although I enjoyed the cycling running was my passion so I had a pretty cheap road bike. Um, I did do the, the Aldaxes and they were good fun despite going very wrong on the first (laughs) one with our directions and having to redo um one of the Surrey Hills twice um to go back to our checkpoints and sort of dabbled in it but it was really the Olympics in 2012 that got me into it properly because I went out to watch it living about 20 minute ride from Box Hill
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: and I just thought, oh, actually, this looks so much more fun than being in the gym another summer trying to get fit to come back running again because had another injury. And that was the first time I'd actually watched road racing live. Um, so it was, you know, Lizzie Armistead going up – well, yeah, it was just Armistead at the time – going up um, Fox Hill um, and just watching that and then being sat on the side of the road out in Cobham as the time trials came through. Um, I just really – thought actually this looks a lot you know a lot of fun mm. um so that's when I properly like I joined a local cycling club um they mainly just did time trialing though so that's I started with that really um giving those a go on my road bike
0: lovely yeah I was the same actually I was a runner and I got arthritis in my feet and it just absolutely stopped me running um and the the doctors when i was i was getting like the medication and everything for it they said to me they were like oh you've got to keep your joints moving and we moved house and then the people were sort. and i thought oh yeah cycling's low impact and you're know, getting your joints moving um and so that's how i fell into it so kind of kind of similar really and in 2012 as well um so yeah the same about the same time so what keeps you motivated to keep going now
1: um I would say it's the there's sort of two factors one is exploring on the bike and the sort of how good it is for your mental well-being just to be able to get out go riding down like nice quiet lanes and things that you would never go down otherwise you know you wouldn't drive down them you wouldn't visit them but also the friendship That's the main thing that keeps me going, I think. I'm always going to be someone who wants to do some sort of sport and exercise and keep fit, but in terms of still competing, it's the friends I have in the sport um, at the moment.
0: Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So are you a a roadie through and through, or do you mix it up a bit?
1: Um, So because of balancing cycling with work, I only do road at the moment i do have a cx bike though and i did do a a cyclocross race a couple of years ago and just the smile on my face the whole way through was immense it made me feel like being a kid playing you know on your bike in the park again so i would love to do more cyclocross but like i said it's just the balance with work and also with living in a flat and being able to clean a bike regularly um so maybe that's something for the future
0: yeah because cx is quite mucky isn't it really i was speaking to one of my friends about it yesterday when um when i had gone to, to see a group of our friends ride it and they had two bikes and it was a case yeah. of do, do a lap and then the like everyone was helping each other out it was like jet wash the bike off while they're on that other one getting that one dirty yeah then come back in because they're almost unusable after a lap, and you're just like, Yeah, that is some serious mud, isn't it? That,
1: yeah, and I think, but I think probably longer term, that's what I'll I will really enjoy because cross country running was my oh, yeah. favorite part of running, and my mum always used to joke when I was a kid that I would come back with as much mud on me as possible. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, good stuff, yeah. good stuff. So, obviously, um with your cycling how how do you feel we can get more female cyclists involved Do you think it's like from a bc point of view that british cycling can get more involved or what do you feel they can do to get more women into the sport
1: I actually think British Cycling are doing pretty well in terms of getting more recreational female cyclists in. They've got really good programs, such as they've had the Breeze Network and things where they've got, you know, groups of women leading other women's recreational rides. But in terms of actually competing in the sport, there's still a big gap at the moment and it's improving the like. Standard of riding in the UK is going up amongst women and also the numbers, but it's still lagging very far behind the men. And I think the main thing is the structure of women's cycling in the UK needs to change from British cycling. So first of all, we get loads of event clashes because, um, you know, there's people in different regions not necessarily talking to each other and then you end up with one race being cancelled or two so we'll go say in a month we might have three of the weekends with no women's road race in the south of the UK and then we'll suddenly get a weekend where we've got three within two hours drive of each other Um, so they need to look at things like that and also I think they need to look at the way clubs and teams are structured better because what we get a lot at the moment in women's cycling is sort of one hit what all yeah one season wonder teams so these teams come in and they get set up and they promise women bikes or free stuff for a year or two and then they disappear and what they've done in that time is they've taken riders away from the clubs so it's really really hard for clubs to keep together a group of women who want to race Because they're constantly having their riders offered promises from elsewhere that aren't actually sustainable promises. Mm.
0: So what do you feel those sort of local clubs can do more of to encourage women cycling?
1: It's really, really hard because I see I'm a member of two local women's clubs and both of them are trying really, really hard to increase women's participation. And actually, I would say in terms of membership, they've boosted it massively. There's a lot more female members. They're going out riding together, um, but very few of them are making that transition into racing or the competitive side. Um, And anyone who expressed an interest, like I say, is immediately sort of, poached and preyed upon by you know the local race teams who aren't necessarily then developing them as riders so they go off and do a few races and they're strong but maybe not taught how to race so they don't enjoy it and then they sort of go back to just riding um I think they need to work more with each other and realize that there's um a finite pool at the moment of women <laughs> and you know ex- maybe even joining together sometimes some local clubs or local teams and rather than trying to take the female riders off each other say well let's work together mm. you know
0: so you mentioned uh just off air about the like the women's racing scene within the UK yeah and how you're working with it to to try and develop people um up to a national level Um, So do you want to talk a a little bit about that as well?
1: Yeah, so um, this year I've been volunteering with um, the British Women's Team Cup, which is a league that runs throughout the year um, where we sort of, some different road races, roughly one a month, um, and we encourage, it's all the scoring is team-based. So the idea is, you know, try and get more people out. They're all national B-level races. And the idea is to sort of get more women together to get big fields in a series of races that are gonna bridge the gap between regional and national level. And we've had really great improved participation this year, which has been brilliant to see. And then a few people being more confident to step up to national level. But where I now see the really big gap is the women's regional level races. Right. So lots of riders are now going, jumping straight into National B or National A, even without much experience at regional level, where actually that's where they're going to learn their skills yeah. because you're not going to improve your bike handling skills when you're like all the time, when you're on the limit of your physical capabilities. But if you're slightly sort of a a lower physical level in a race you can practice more tactical things you can focus more on you know you're riding in a bunch and things without worrying that you're going to get dropped all the time
0: Mm -hmm. yeah good good um so if there's anyone out there listening to this at the moment and they think oh that uh british women's team cup is is for me and they're not involved with it how do they get involved with that then
1: um so Well, the applications for teams to join will open next spring. And basically any team that wants to join can. Um, So they just need to sign up, have a point of contact to register their team. And in fact, we've seen there's a new women's team being set up that are specifically going to target regional A's and the British Women's Team Cup to try and provide um, that step between the two levels which is really brilliant to see um we've got there's a website and we've got um people on instagram you know replying to messages all the time so they can just find us on there um if they want to know any more and we'll help them with what's involved you know how it's all structured what they can do to help develop their riders to that level we've got a really great team of volunteers who are all very very passionate about improving women's racing in the uk so everyone will be happy to help out (laughs)
0: Okay, brilliant. And do you know, what's the Instagram? Do you know that off the top of your head? or
1: um, I would just double just so check. We, so
0: we can give them a shout out. So anyone that is listening and wants to give them a follow, obviously show your support anyway and just give them a follow. And it's it's always interesting to see what's going on within um, the Women's Racing League as well. So it's, yeah. it just helps so show your support. And It's
1: Brit- British Team Cup.
0: British Team Cup. Lovely. Fantastic. Sorry to put you on the spot then. Okay. <laughs> right. So you also um, have been organising your own uh, Zwift Racing League as well. Do you want to talk about that as um, well? Yeah. Well,
1: so I'm... I'm more, I'm all, like, I help run women's team. But what, the, in terms of the league, what happened was I joined Swift in lockdown, like lots of other people. <laughs> um, and there were not many races targeted just that women during that time. And there was one very popular series running where they had men's races in separate categories, A, B, C, D, and then they put all the women together in mm. one group. And that was across the complete range of abilities. Right. And because of lockdown, you we were seeing more and more women racing each week. But it wasn't a very good experience for the lower category women yeah. to be in the same race as the higher category. So I just reached out to the organisers um, who were... Um, WTRL who people who race on Zwift will now know that they run the Zwift Racing League which is the most popular event on Zwift and I just asked them if they would consider running a separate women's event um and the separate categories and things and we had a couple of zoom calls um and they were so great they were really responsive they wanted to know how they could make it work for women and so they introduced the separate categories um they ran a little league and then they started speaking to Zwift off the back of the um like success of their events and that's when they then set up the Zwift Racing League which like I say has now become the most popular um event with tens of thousands of participants every week so I think it just although like I wasn't involved in setting up the Zwift Racing League myself I think it's just like it just shows how all you need to do is reach out to people who are organizing these big things and offer some constructive advice and say Mm. you know actually this works for men but for women we need to approach it a little bit differently or we need to design something in a different way and i've generally found that organizers of things whether it be on swift or out on the road are really really receptive Mm. and responsive they want they want it to work as well
0: yeah yeah which is good that's good um yeah because uh, like coming from that the category point of view like i've done a, only a handful of races on swift i didn't particularly enjoy it to be honest <laughs> um, and one of the reasons um was the category thing um in the sense that i, I did a race as a, bee, a, a bee rider um and uh, it was only a 20 minute race, like it was like a tt race and i went over the watts per kilo for 20 minutes but i thought the the banding was for um, your actual FTP. I always went off yeah. that. It's like that is my F T P but it's kind of what you're gonna target in the race, isn't it, rather than
1: um yeah. what
0: you actually do for twenty minutes kind of thing. So I was they put me in a different I got banned out the one and they put me in a <laughs> and then I wasn't competitive even, even as a B and I'd been bumped into the A's and yeah. it was just they're it was tr- too difficult.
1: Yeah, they're trying to change that a bit but it's still similar. Like I'm at the bottom of next day mm. and it's like it is so hard like yeah. you have to pick and choose your events and you have to then go to the leagues where actually they're running split category events which again was from rider feedback so they've sort of halved the categories which are actually really good mm. um and then again some organizers have said well women can race a category down in their league um because although we might have a good sort of 20 minutes we often don't have the punch that men do so in your swift races you get dropped really quickly as soon as it you know you get a short uphill yeah um whereas if they put us in with the slightly lower category men um we then can stay in the group
0: yeah yeah and like you say that that initial bump as well is quite harsh isn't it as well that that kind of first five minutes whenever i've talked about anyone's with racing i was like oh yeah the first five minutes just pedal as hard as you can like for five minutes and if you're still in the group just try and hang on kind of thing Um, but like i say i was in the i qualified for the lower level a but i wasn't even competitive as a b and it was so tough and then like Mm -hmm. you said earlier on if there's no even category it's the right so whoever enters that race is it's an e is it was it an e category Yes, yes yeah so it's like from one watt per kilo up to five watts per kilo it's just too much range isn't it you know yeah. so i imagine those people like you say it must have been frustrating for those people yeah. um, that are at those lower levels to mm. to be able to do it so that the numbers wouldn't be there because you, no. you don't want to do it do you nobody wants to enter a race that they know they've got
1: no, absolutely chance. no yeah. chance
0: of even staying with the group for five minutes kind of thing
1: so i think like one thing if people do want to give Swift a go but they're a bit worried about that is I don't know if you tried the team time trial that runs every week on a Thursday okay so that's a really good fun way to make some new friends and get a really really great workout each week and they've got a slightly different category system where you either have like a mix of a plus and a or a and b or b and c or c and d um riders and it's you end up getting a really good over-under workout without oh, realising yeah. that's what you're doing because you're trying to ride with your friends and you tend to go on Discord and chat the whole time. Um, and we found that that was really, really great for growing the women's community on Swift actually. Oh, um, and I know it's really popular amongst men as well. Um, yeah.
0: I have heard of a few people doing that. My, uh, one of my good friends, he's really into his triathlons and he tends to um, do that TT uh league yeah i find it difficult.
1: it's really good just generally for people for motivation throughout the winter i think yeah. when it's kind of that little bit of a struggle to get on your turbo in the evening um mm. but knowing your teammates um need you to get on yeah and put in that little bit of effort is um you know really good and i do think that was responsible for me really sort of peaking post lockdown with my (laughs) powers in terms of cycling like my my sort of one to five minute was the fact that i'd been doing that every
0: week yes brilliant yeah because it does like there is like you say you need that motivation to get on um but yeah it does benefit you so much doesn't it a turbo session is is brilliant sometimes um and we're just coming into that time of year unfortunately now it's just the temperature's just starting to drop a little bit so we're getting into the the nights are drawing in, and we're coming into those winter months so it's the perfect time to be starting to get involved with it as Zwift gets busier as well isn't it
1: yeah and I think just generally like riders people need to think over the winter what's going to work best for me Mm -hmm. um I've chatted with my coaches this winter and we we're going to try a completely different approach to training for me this winter than i've ever done before um basically to try and avoid getting sick from the school bugs and having like extended periods off the bike that i've done previously yeah um
0: because that kind of just leading into my next question really about like how's your riding and racing gone for the 23 season because i'd seen that you had had a lot of illness this year haven't you yeah
1: i had probably the worst year i've ever had as an athlete (laughs) and you know i've been an athlete since i was a teenager like competing at national level stuff um i got a couple of really bad chest infections and then i thought i just got over that and i got covid Mm. um and then ended up like having one of the sort of secondary inflammatory responses after covid so you think you're better And then you end up with fluid filled lungs and just completely wiped out um so i pretty much lost riding the bike properly from the end of january to the end of march beginning of april Mm. um and it was a real race to get back to be able to sort of compete at national a level um because when you're you know i'd lost all my base because I hadn't had that winter um but I was so so pleased to just be racing and then also I got my best result at a national a this summer as well despite not being back to top fitness and I think that just came from having such a supportive team around me and just really being happy on the bike um in those races which was really really nice
0: brilliant Brilliant. So who are you racing for next season?
1: So I'm staying with Loughborough Lightning. I'm very, very fortunate to still have a place with them. Um, Although they're not one of the UCI teams in the UK, they're an elite development team. They have the most phenomenal behind-the-scenes support um, because they're based out of the uni, and they they leave no stone unturned in terms of, The whole rider package. Um and I would love to go into coaching or running teams or stuff myself as well. So what I'm learning from them as well as you know the support I'm getting from them is absolutely brilliant.
0: Good, good stuff. Yeah. So what are your goals for next year with terms to your racing and your riding?
1: So my first one is to actually be able to start the first race like come out the winter healthy I would love to be able to do all the raid races in the national series because I've never done that before and I managed to finish quite well up the overall ranking despite only doing like three of the five races this year so I'd really like to be able to do them all next year and see if I can you know finish in the top 20 overall maybe even higher if I can get into good form I'm hoping they'll bring back the stage race we had in the Isle of Man. Um, we had that last year and it didn't run this year. And that was my favorite race um, on the calendar because we actually get to go off a like proper long hill, like a mini mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if we've got something like that back in, I'd love to be targeting like a top 10 in a national A race. And I sort of think, well, I'm getting older. I'm one of the older riders in the peloton, but then we've got some really inspirational older riders in the peloton who've been on the National Series podiums um, this year. So I think as long as you're enjoying it and can keep healthy, there's a good few years you can keep going for.
0: Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So just focusing on the fitness and then uh yeah, the early part I, of the year.
1: I think as I've become older... In my sport, and <laughs> wiser, I do want to say mm. it's like realizing that, like happiness and health, are actually the most important things in performing well. So I was that typical young twenty-something athlete as a runner who just thought you have to train more. You can't, you know, you just got to keep training. You have got to be like going hard all the time and things, and then you just get injured and ill a lot. Whereas I've really seen this last year that although my numbers were not as good as they'd been in the past actually just by bringing in that sort of more holistic view Mm. you can still perform to a good level
0: Mm. yeah that's it and I've noticed like with my cycling as well especially like uh, starting when I did I'd always jump on the bike and feel great and I could just go and feel great and then as I've got into my 40s it's not quite the same as that and then i always think oh i feel terrible i feel terrible and then once i've been on the bike for sort of 10-15 minutes i'm like oh actually i've warmed up to it now i can now press the pedals a bit more and it goes to show that like as i was a younger person um you could kind of just get on and go but as as i've got older i've realized you have to ride slightly differently and that warm up and that kind of slow kind of build up to it is so important as well that you can't just jump on and Rah, go
1: <laughs> and I think I think yeah as you get older you realize how things like sleep and nutrition are playing a bigger part as well mm. whereas again when you're younger you can kind of get away with not focusing on these things but I sort of think back and think you know if I'd had that advice as a youngster over the nutrition and the sleep and just mm. lifestyle as well like how much better could you have been
0: mm. <laughs> and that's the thing but though when you're that That bit younger, you're invincible then, and it's all like, oh, I don't need to worry about that now. I don't need to worry about that now. And then all of a sudden, it kind of, it almost clicks, and you're like, oh, actually, if I do focus on this a bit more, and focus on this, and focus on this, and I think one of the main things is like the protein absorption and and things like that that your body's just not quite it needs more of it to do the same thing you know you yeah. can kind of get away with not eating much and not eating right as you say with the nutrition side of things and your body would still be okay but yeah. you feel it a lot more as, as it, unfortunately the time goes on yeah. but
1: <laughs> i do wonder if it's way you know how in the um pro ranks on both the men's and the women's side we're kind of seeing the riders getting People are saying, oh, they're getting faster, they're getting better, they're getting stronger, generally. I I genuinely think it's because of that more holistic approach to Mm. their riding as well. Um, And I thought it was so interesting to see um, in the Men's Tour de France, the riders having STEM notes with their nutrition strategies on, rather than notes of where the climbs or the sprints and things were. Mm. And I hope that message gets out more to people, who who are riding both like from competing to more recreational level because I've been someone in the past who's got ill through poor nutrition just you know actually even partly because work makes you forget what you need to eat to try and be an athlete um and I hope that message gets out there more because I think people will enjoy their sport more and have a longer time in sport
0: Mm. if they do
1: take on that sort of newer advice?
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. It's one thing I've changed a lot, uh, probably in the last sort of in the last twelve months really. Um I'm not a diabetic person, but it was sugars that were really affecting me. Um with kind of hrv V um, tracking and things like that. I yeah. don't, I, I hadn't realised that it was affecting me so much, like it always just, my HIV really plunge. And I think, what well, I, d- I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. And I realised it was sugar and I've really limited my sugar intake. Um I still eat sweet. Th- nothing's off the menu kind of thing. I still will yeah. eat sweet things, but I've just been a bit more strategic about it. And and the less that I've had as well, the less that I've craved, which I think has been the important thing, um, that you, you kind of have one bit and then it's like, oh yeah, I'll have a bit more of that. But if you're a bit more kind of savvy about it and and eat it a little bit more um certain ways you can especially eating fiber before you you consume the sugar that really helps um, the absorption and it slows it down um, so your body can deal with it better
1: and things like being smart on endurance rides i know a lot of people there used to be a few years ago people would do all these fasted rides and were thinking oh i need to not eat on my endurance rides but actually it's much better for your body and you're more likely to be a sort of leaner healthier person generally if you're eating regularly on those rides um every 20 to 30 minutes because otherwise your body thinks you're starving it yeah um (laughs)
0: And that's something I still get wrong. I still get it wrong. Like I, I went out for three hours yesterday. Um, dead, super easy. And, and I felt strong for about two and a half. And I kind of thought, well, I'm, I'm on the way back now. And then that last half an hour, there's a nasty climb not, not far from my house. That only takes about three minutes to get up but it hits about 10% and when you're struggling a little bit that it's it's the worst, and you know it's coming and I was yeah. thinking oh I'm suffering a bit now and I did suffer a bit up that climb and I thought you've still not got it right like no. if you'd just eaten a bit more th- at this point and at this point you probably would have been all right for that
1: yeah and I I mean I still get it wrong at times as well because you get distracted and uh, mm. things you know I completely got it wrong in a race um this year But our team coaches say that even in that last half hour, you need to be eating because you're then you're fueling your recovery and you're fueling your next day's training and the next day um, and you're less likely to get home and sort of feel starving if you're still eating in your last half hour an hour and actually interestingly you sort of talk about yesterday's so i did a steady ride yesterday as well and i've seen my coach has commented this morning asking me what i ate on the ride yesterday because over the winter i'm going to be working on that fueling to make sure i do take it into races Mm. as well like i i basically have my legs give out in in a race and when we got back they asked me what i'd eaten and we realized i had not eaten nearly enough Mm. um for, for that rating because I've been so preoccupied with like staying in the bunch, chasing back on, you know, mm. these sorts of things.
0: Yeah. That's it. And like, like you say, you get preoccupied with this. And it is, I'd imagine at full gas as well, it is difficult. It's, it makes it even harder, doesn't it, to, to eat and take on that, that fuel as well. Yeah. So yeah, so. uh, it's not easy, is it?
1: Yeah. But <laughs> I thought, I thought that was really interesting, you know, that when they said to us, you know, always think about your next session or your next ride, as well
0: okay. yeah um, cuz that's one thing actually you've said um I do tend to come back and think well the last sort of 15 20 minutes I'm thinking about what's in the fridge and what I can have <laughs> when I get back kind of thing um so yeah maybe I do need to still focus a little bit more on that that nutrition side of thing when I when I'm on the bike uh, and take on a bit more when I can so yeah, also, uh, something we mentioned a little bit earlier on is Elves Bikes, and you're an ambassador for Elves Bikes UK, so um, do you want to talk a little bit about your bike?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I love my bike. My bike makes me feel happy when I'm going to ride it, which is what you want from a bike, and I got put in touch with them really through quite you know, some good fortune, whereby My bike was broken and I was like racing on a bike that wasn't really working and really struggling to be able to afford a new bike because bikes have become so expensive. Um, And I had reached out to some local bike shops to see if anyone would help me. I wasn't looking for something free. I was basically looking for, you know, could they give me a discount on a bike or something um and no one was helping and I just put something off on my Instagram story saying it was like really really gutting that these bike shops had slogans like we aim to get everyone on bikes we want to make bikes affordable etc and then they weren't willing to help people Mm -hmm. um and a friend saw it and said oh I know a you know a fairly new brand to the UK who are looking for um a female rider and she put me in touch and as soon as I spoke to SJ I could see we were on the sort of same wavelength of we want to make sure that people who want to get into the sport and ride a bike can and um, want to make it more affordable both believe that you know it shouldn't be about how much money you've got that lets you take part it should be about how enthusiastic you are what your passion is mm. um and what you want to do so we had a really nice long chat and then obviously it sort of came out of that um to be an ambassador and you know i'm not gonna lie it was a risk for me putting all my savings that i did have into buying a bike that no one really had in the uk i can ask them what it was like to ride it um mm you know not really seeing many reviews but I'm so glad I did because I it is phenomenal to ride like <laughs> it really is lovely to ride and it's lovely to look at as well actually every every time I'm out and you know, was like oh I really like this and lots of people are asking about them and I think it's great that a company have come in and sort of said yeah let's keep the prices down as as much as we can um I would have been paying more than twice as much to get an a main brand bike of the equivalent, equivalent.
0: yeah yeah um which, which model have you got sorry which
1: i've got the Falath um pro one so the aero bike yes yeah. the new um the uci one yes. um
0: lovely yeah the very aggressive looking aero one
1: yeah and yeah. It, it goes fast yeah. <laughs>
0: Which is what you want, it, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, but it also handles really nicely. Like I basically, I picked it up, took it for a quick ride, um, ra- like down there and then back home. And I was a little bit like, ooh, at first because I'd managed to take it on a ride on like a super, super windy day, mm. um, which was, a, you know, the. I was sort of thinking, oh, are these wheels a bit deep for me or something? But then when I came back and looked at the th- it was 35-mile-an-hour gusts, I was like, well, actually, yeah. is any bikes going to feel a little bit
0: um, sketchy, in that, sketchy yeah. at
1: times in that? And it hadn't been massively bad. You know, I'd stayed upright, it stayed in control and everything. So that was absolutely fine. And then I raced it the next day. And going around corners and stuff, I was just blown away. But I was like, this is awesome. Like, the handling on this is immense um going uphill even though it's not the lightest bike on the market you know compared to some of the really super expensive aero bikes i was like it actually goes uphill really really well too Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think as is a great all-rounder
0: brilliant yeah it seems a a fantastic brand i've seen a a few um bits and pieces of it obviously we had them on the podcast previously Mm -hmm. um yeah Doug. I think it looks a a fantastic brand to be honest and it's definitely when i'm in the market next time it's it's a brand i'll be looking at the
1: other thing i love about what they're doing at the moment as well and i'm sure they're going to continue with this is you get your frame then you choose your bar width and your stem length and the cranks you want to go on and the cassette and everything whereas if you go to a shop you you're, you're given you'll get what you're given <laughs> and immediately yeah. you're then thinking oh the bars are too wide for me or i want to change the stem or actually the like gear ratios are wrong for me so you're immediately having to spend more on top mm-hmm. um or you're buying a different set of wheels whereas you're literally building
0: the bike you want yeah yeah so like you say it's it's cheaper overall anyway and then it's cheaper afterwards because you're not having to spend those other bits and pieces to get it how you Um, you want it
1: yeah and it's just a more sustainable model because otherwise you're ending up with these bits and pieces that you don't really want and probably not many other people want um so you've got sort of some defunct (laughs) bits and pieces lying around
0: (laughs) yeah that's it that's it so we're moving on now a little bit just to the the end few questions that we ask all the guests mm-hmm. so are you a calf stop cyclist
1: um no not really oh, okay. <laughs> and I see, so i always like if i put up a ride on the club forum it's always no cafe stop um i don't mind doing a cafe stop at the end but i prefer not to do one in the middle right um,
0: and is that for like how you feel once you've stopped
1: yeah, I sort of think that everyone sits down for too long in the middle of a ride. Um, I'd rather just keep riding. Um, mm. Yeah.
0: See, I'm kind of the same, really. That if I stop for more than about 15 minutes, my body starts to go. Okay, we finished now.
1: Yeah, I think I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, and then when um, I
0: get back on the bike, it's horrendous. Um, like... So I'm
1: I'm more like a petrol station newsagent stop person. If you're doing a long right. ride. Yeah. It's a quick sort of grab and dash. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. Um because yeah, like I said, I went out for three for three hours yesterday. I went out with my two really good friends, um and we didn't stop. We didn't stop. Um at all. Like we never did a, a petrol stop one either. We we had stuff in our yeah. pockets and and that I was think it.
1: three to four hours you can get by, can't you? If it's yeah. not really hot without a stop at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah and that was it it was freezing cold yesterday actually so yeah, yeah. Um, but um I always think that sometimes I do quite enjoy it when I've when I do do it when I'm having the stop but then I know that getting going is going to be yeah horrendous so yeah
1: I, I do like the stop at the end sometimes though I think that's yeah. nice apparently that's a more european way according to some of my
0: club mates <laughs> oh okay okay so yeah you prefer the the european style then that's yeah. what I go for lovely so, um, dream bike, money, no object.
1: Um. So, I think I've never ridden a super, super expensive bike. Okay. Um, and do you know what, though? I love the one I've got now, and I don't think I need much more. But I would quite like to um try one of the Super 6 Evo Lab 71 bikes, mm-hmm. I think it is. Just because the Cannondale Super 6 Evo was my very first bike that I fell in love with. Like, the very, very old model that only cost me, like, £750. Um, I still have that. It's not in the best condition. I now ride it to work. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I liked that. But, like I say, my current bike is just phenomenal to ride as well and puts a smile on my face. So... I don't know even if i had all the money in the world i don't think i'd buy another bike right now i'd probably pay to go and ride my current bike in some nice places instead
0: (laughs) so that leads us into the next question then so if we could put you anywhere in the world to go cycling now where would you go
1: well mallorca is my happy place with my bike um Mm -hmm. i've been there a few times and every time i land i'm just like smiling again i love it out there because you've got the mountains but you've also got the farmland so you kind of got the options having said that though i've never ridden in the alps and i would really really like to go and try that um i'd also like to go and ride like in italy i think because people have said it's really lovely out there too although they have said the drivers are a bit crazy but I don't think they can be much more crazy than those in the Surrey Hills. So <laughs> no,
0: no, I've done. I've been in Italy, um, and they are in the kind of the, the town centres. If you're in the busy places, it's absolutely chock a block, and they are really. But once you're out on the on the more sort of country roads and the hilly roads that you want to go on, they give you loads of space. They're yeah. the, the better than in the UK, I'd say. Um, but yeah, when if you're in a busy built up bit of town it can be a bit like whoa but i suppose that's the same with anywhere isn't it really
1: it's gonna be great. commuting in london is yeah. Like...
0: <laughs> yeah the worst <laughs>
1: yeah. i do think it does help you um with some skills for racing though because you just got to expect the unexpected easy, the whole yeah. time
0: yeah be on be on alert at all times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lovely so i think we've come to the end of our little chat it's been a lot of fun thanks for coming on eyes that's okay thank you for having me yeah no problems
1: thank you thank you
0: bye well that was fantastic speaking to alice then she's obviously incredibly passionate about women's cycling and getting more and more female cyclists more ladies out on the bike and we'd love to see that as well that's absolutely brilliant alice well done well done for all the hard work that you've put in and all the effort so yeah getting more ladies involved is absolutely brilliant so once again a thank you for listening i've been steve the velo 21 guy we'll catch you soon